Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we get curious about Lana and Lily Wachowski's 1996 crime thriller, Bound. It's funny. I'm feeling a little bit curious myself. Starring Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly. Hi. My name's Violet. We heard you working in here, and I was just wondering if you'd like a cup of coffee. An open invitation like Violet comes once in a lifetime. <laughs> what the fuck is. Corky, this is Caesar, Caesar Corky. I thought. Fucking dark in here. She's making an offer. It's Caesar's Mafia, huh? I need your help, Corky. Only a fool would refuse. It's over two million dollars. Because all money. Oh my God. Look at this shirt. It's ruined. Is good money. You're asking me to help you fuck over the mob. I wouldn't ask you ten times. I want with my money. If their plan succeeds. Oh God. If they survive. Sweet Jesus. If they can trust each other. I guess it was a job. Maybe the Carpellas. All part of the business. They are bound. I think I'm a dead man. I'm one in the back of the head. For the pleasure. You were nothing before you met me. Violet! You were nothing. You had nothing for the money i want what's mine i want half the money for each other what did she do to you everything you could bound you guys ready to talk about bound oh yeah <laughs> yes cool guess what year bound came out <laughs> <laughs> the year of our lord 1996 <laughs> the apparently uh momentous year in filmmaking <laughs> and it was written and directed by lily and lana wachowski as they are now known and it was their directorial debut, and it stars Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon and Joey Pants. Joey Pants, thank you. <laughs> How many times have you guys seen it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I saw it when it came out, the weekend that it came out, and watched it a few times over the years, but it's definitely been a long time since I saw it, and we just all saw it in a second-run theater this weekend. Yeah. It was so fun. <laughs> Yeah, I love the audience. Of the yeah, theater. that was a rowdy audience. Yeah. <laughs> we had a midnight movie audience at 9, 9.30. Yeah. It was, it was pretty funny. I saw it in the movie theater, and then I'd seen it here and there. It's been been a lot of years since I'd seen it. It's still really good. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys notice anything this time that you'd never noticed before? I forgot that... Chris Maloney was in it. I never watched Law and Order, but I mean, it's so in the atmosphere so much that I forgot that I knew who that guy was yeah. before he was on Law and Order for so long. <laughs> <laughs> My relationship with him is that to me, he's Gene from Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, right. <laughs> you wipe that hot shot grin off your face or I'll shoot it off you. You got that? 
I finish up the taters. I'm gonna go find my sweaters. <laughs> Come on, what? Finish up the taters. And then what did you say? And then what did I say? You said you were gonna go fondle your sweaters. I... No, I didn't. I said I'm gonna fondue with cheddar. I was thinking about making fondue with cheddar cheese for dinner tonight. No, Gene, that is not what you said. It is what I said. Fondue with cheddar. Which is one of my favorite comedies of all time, and I've seen it a million times. So that's like my first reference point for him, even though I mm -hmm. know he was, I looked it up and he was on 275 episodes of Law and Order or something. It was in the two, the high 200s. So yeah, most of America definitely knows him as that, but <laughs> right. I know him as a comedy guy. So I kind of think everything he does in a dramatic capacity is a little bit funny, even though <laughs> he's playing it straight and he's right. doing a good job. Well, that's perfect then for yeah. Bound because he is pretty funny in this, even though it's yeah. serious. <laughs> he so. really is. Oh my God. That scene where <laughs> you know what scene. Yes. <laughs> I'll have whatever Violet's having. I'm not drinking. <laughs> Neither will I. Gino. Glad never, right? A bed for Jerry. And uh, I'll have whatever Violet's drinking. I'm not drinking. Oh, well, then neither will I. No, I'll have a Tanqueray and tonic. Mm. Caesar, two TNTs. We've all known that guy, I think. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> wish I knew that guy because I would. That really gets me because I hardly ever drink, and I would love that if someone wasn't drinking just because I wasn't drinking too. That, that would be like a direct line you for a long time that you were never interested in. That would definitely be very endearing yeah. if somebody didn't drink because I wasn't drinking. Really? Yes, it would. Explain the history and the. <laughs> The I mean, I don't know that that would make, make or break things, but it would be endearing if somebody didn't drink because I wasn't drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Take note. Maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> Future Paramore's amazing. Right. <laughs> You're making a list. Yeah, really funny. Yeah. A I T and T. When I was watching it this time, I... The other times, I I guess I just didn't connect that it was the same creators of The Matrix, and so oh, like just yeah. noticing the film work and the way mm -hmm. that they focused on different things, I really picked up on that a lot more. And there were just so many cool shots, like focusing in on like the barrel of the gun, and then the scene where they're kissing for the first time, or they're not kissing necessarily like just yet, but their mouths are really close together. Mm -hmm. and it, kind of like hands around them a little. I, don't, I thought that yeah. was really cool. <laughs> the yeah. incarnation of their camera motions that become their signature. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And then like the opening sequence where you don't really know what exactly it's like motioning through something and then you realize it's a closet with all <laughs> these like fancy clothes and then that's eventually where Corky is bound and tied up. <laughs> yeah, um, she's in the titular ropes. Yeah. I like that shot where it kind of shows her finery and her shoes, the price that she paid for this life, basically. Right, yeah. And it was definitely interesting to look at it now, seeing it as being made by women. It's kind of hard to, like, what the language is, you know, like you don't want to dead name them, but at the time... They were known as white cis males. But... Right, and the credits are by the Wachowski yeah. brothers. But then to look at it through that, you know, there's a lot of Violet saying, that guy knows what I really am or who I really am inside, and there's so much symbolism. Of, it's almost kind of heavy-handed, the symbolism of being in the closet and coming out of the closet, <laughs> you know? It's like, we get it! And when she says, oh, you mean inside you there's a little dyke like me? I don't understand. I know. Violet, that's because you can't understand. We're different. 
We're not that different, Corky. Ah, let's see. This is the part where you tell me what matters is on the inside. And that inside of you, there's a little dyke just like me. No, she's nothing like you. She's a whole lot smarter than you are. Is that what her daddy tells her? I know what I am. I don't have to have it tattooed on my shoulder. It was interesting to look at it now through that lens of they were at the time presenting as men and now both have transitioned to women. So it's sort of interesting to look at it from that point of view. Definitely. And I think that they, what seemed as progressive for male directors (laughs) at the time, I know it's interesting. They were very careful too about making sure that it was represented correctly they brought in a consultant named Susie Bright oh yeah you know Susie Bright <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah she's like a author, sex writer or something right? writer, yeah, yeah. Uh, she writes about sexual politics and she's a spoken word performer and she plays the bartender oh okay <laughs> so they had her her authenticity on the sex itself and she also asked if she could fill the bar with her quote real San Francisco dykes nice (laughs) she was concerned with the authenticity they were concerned enough to bring in a professional to make sure that it felt real which is you know a male director who is just a male director would never have gone through those lengths right I think they would have been like what will look hot exactly to a man you know yeah Yeah. they'll be like who cares about the authenticity (laughs) (laughs) I also learned an interesting fact which was that Dino De Laurentiis was producing the film, and Jennifer Tilly had a conversation with the Wachowskis about the sex scene, and she was saying, well, we'll get naked for you because I know that you'll take care of us, but we're worried that once it's out of your hands, they'll change the editing and they'll make it more male gazy. And the Wachowskis were like, we're concerned about that too, so we'll shoot it all in one shot. So oh, there's wow. no coverage for them to fuck with it. And that's so hard to set up one <laughs> shot. It seems when you're watching, you're like, that's an amazing trick shot. There was politics behind it, too, wow. which I really appreciate. It's so hard to set up a single unbroken shot, and then especially for a key scene like that. Mm-hmm. And they only had to shoot it eight times, which is amazing. This is their first movie they directed, and they were able to get a complicated shot like that in eight takes. That's amazing. And even then, you only can use one of the takes. It's not like you can splice them together. If it's mm-hmm. an unbroken shot, it's the one take. So wow. I appreciated that. And I know Jennifer Tilly and <laughs> Sean really appreciated it also. Yeah. I was confused when we were watching the movie. They were definitely, I feel fairly confident saying there were lesbians in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, it was a really fun audience, but they were laughing at things that I'd never thought of as campy before. Mm-hmm. And they were laughing during the sex scene. So I was curious about why they might have been laughing about it. And I asked my friend, who's an expert (laughs) on lesbian sex, she thought it was interesting too, but she thought maybe it was just because of how simple it was, because it kind of can be a little more complicated, and usually Mm -hmm. there's toys involved, and there's not usually just one thing you do to to get a woman off. Right. So she thought maybe that was part of it, that it was just like a real simple kind of (laughs) wham-bam, thank you ma'am situation. But... It's hot. Oh my god, the two of them are so hot in that movie. (laughs) Oh, and another thing I really liked was that they're, I mean, they're not old women by any means. They're in there both in their mid 30s. Well, Jennifer Tilly is 38. Oh, wow. And Gina Grishon is 34. And again, I feel like a cis male director would have been like, well, they have to be in their 20s. Mm -hmm. So no one's going to want to see a bunch of old women thing, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they're both goddesses. Right. 
to even consider them as the leads was going above and beyond what mm-hmm. would normally be done. And then to show the sexuality of these women in such an empowering way. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read this article, the Entertainment Weekly article, and Gina Gershon said that her agent told her you should not do this movie, and she felt really strongly about doing it, and she's like, this is a movie where I, I'm i the hero and I get the yeah. girl. And like, yeah. Like, I yeah. Why would it do well, that? Well, it's argument. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess she thought maybe it would pigeonhole her or something. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. But she is really proud of this film and Jennifer Tilly as well. I was trying to think about whether I'd seen lesbians in movies before this. I don't know. I can't really think like in 1996 when I saw it, there weren't that many, maybe like Henry and June I'd seen that. <laughs> and that was like kind of a lesbian love story one part of it. I don't know. Yeah. I just, there wasn't that much representation in movies mm. at all. Certainly yeah. not. Yeah. Right. If you get back to Citizen Roof, I mean, also 1996. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That was, the, I mean, very much caricatures of lesbians in that movie. I think for a very long time it was if someone's a lesbian in a movie, they have to die or something. Like, yeah. it, it, it has to show that it will ruin your life. And the Hustlers were talking about how, or lamenting about how women never get away with the heist. Finally, there's a movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's an old movie, but yeah, we got one. We got one, guys. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so gratifying, that ending. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love the Tom Jones at the end. Yeah, <laughs> she's a lady. Perfect right. song to end it on. So satisfying and like right. can't be at the same time. Right. And then also interesting coming from the Wachowskis at that time. And their first movie was She's a Lady. And I love that they're in a car together and they're not about to drive off a cliff. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> They're going to go have their great life together. Yeah, they got the money. They didn't even have to split it with the... Uh, now, what's Joey Pants' name? Caesar. Of course. Yeah, how can I forget? Caesar. 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 I love Jennifer Tilly's voice. Oh, it's God. like such a breathy... Amazing. Yeah. It's... Come talk to me all the time. Yeah. I, <laughs> I will change my name to Corky just to hear you say Oh, I know. Is she an option on... on oh, my God. Yeah, uh, imagine that. <laughs> that. Her giving directions. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Take a ride on 47. <laughs> you did it pretty well. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. I'll record your math thing for you. <laughs> and then Gina Gershon also, she said she started, like, boxing before the movie to get ready. And she had just done showgirls. So she had been dancing a lot. So yeah. she was very in shape for it. She was trying to channel, like, a Brando, Robert nice. Mitchum kind of cool you know, vibe yeah. for it. Yeah. And I think that really worked. I don't know. I totally like the tank top that she's always Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the scene where it's after the love scene with her and Violet. And she's all happy the next day, like getting her, <laughs> yeah. in her truck yeah. and the tool belt. She's a little and spring stuff. in her stuff. Getting yeah, there. yeah. I don't know. I thought that was fun. That was great. It's funny that her agent let her do showgirls and tried to talk her out of bound. Okay. That's ridiculous. Good call. I hope she fired that agent. I know she'd just done showgirls, and that was kind of like no one had really seen much of her before that. So that was their first introduction to her. Her performance in showgirls is obviously amazing, also. Yeah. (laughs) Even though that movie's one big problem. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of my camp favorites. 
And I think that's what she has said about it. She realized during shooting that this was not going to be good. And she's like, the best I can hope for is this will be like some kind of camp favorite. And then she said a couple months after it came out, she's walking down the street and someone's like, hey, darling, in her showgirl's voice. And it was Sandra Bernhardt. (laughs) So she was like, okay, that was the best I could have hoped for. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) If you get the Sandra Bernhardt seal of approval for your camp performance, what more can you ask for? (laughs) It was kind of like an interesting little ad. They had this mouth harp. Yeah, it's called a a juice harp. Yeah, I think it's called a. Yeah, I don't want to say it, but I think it is called a juice harp. I don't know why. That's what the article I read said. I don't know if that's bad or what. I know, I think you're... can't be good. They're smart. (laughs) The juice harp, also known as the jaw harp, mouth harp, Ozark harp or juice harp, is a lamellophone instrument. This instrument is considered to be one of the oldest musical instruments in the world. Despite its common English name, it has no particular connection with Jews or Judaism. This instrument is native to Asia, among whom it is variously referred to as Ajais Kamuzu, literally, Mouth Kamuz. The common English name Jews harp is sometimes considered controversial or potentially misleading, and is thus avoided by a few speakers or manufacturers. She's been on recordings playing that. Oh, really? Does it do something besides just she's, go boing, 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 boing? No, like she's played with Rufus Wainwright on a wow. recording. So she really plays that <laughs> instrument. <laughs> yeah. It is definitely an element of the movie, and it's definitely got like a prison vibe to it. Because when she's waiting in the apartment... about that on this rewatch like how excruciating it must have been to just be sitting in that apartment waiting it goes on for a long long time yeah all the shenanigans (laughs) (laughs) just sitting there waiting so i wonder if that's why she pulls that out it just kind of reminds her of being in prison and waiting (laughs) oh maybe yeah it's kind of like a harmonica (laughs) yeah i was yeah i just thought it was funny like what is she playing but it like seemed to come up in a couple parts of the movie (laughs) <laughs> Which is like planning or uses it to think. Yeah. Help her. That's what I feel like. her, her brain. <laughs> That's also always good to call attention to her mouth because her mouth is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's I remember my friend James saying like her mouth is like the mouth you draw when you draw cartoons, kind of. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or that's what he said. He's like, I love her because her mouth looks like the way I draw a mouth. <laughs> you know, it doesn't look real. It is kind of unreal. I mean. Yeah. In, Jennifer Tilly's lips are also really amazing. They're just these little plump, pouty, Betty Boop lips. <laughs> yeah, she is like a walking cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, in the best possible yeah, way. Yeah, totally. She's so hot. <laughs> and she wore those furry cardigan sweaters and stuff. It was very 50s looking. At a time when fashion was not that way. I mean, it was really refreshing to see her in those outfits because that was like the big chunky sweater. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of grudgy, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the same vibe as Audrey in Twin Peaks. It's that same oh, yeah. throwback vibe where you're like, I'm <laughs> sexy 50s throwback while everyone else around me is wearing chunkiness. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that movie, I was very inspired by her looks and totally went out and bought like a bunch of lacy slips and things nice. <laughs> and wore them as dresses for a while. I yeah. was like, okay, how can I be? <laughs> how can I be Jennifer Tilly? I never could do that voice. <laughs> I kind of also wanted to be Gina Gershon, too. Like, I would have loved to have been able to rock a tank top like that. She's the got tank top and great the, arms, yeah. And I had, like, this set of belt for a while. The barbed wire tattoo. So 90s. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I think her tattoos would have been a little different if they'd made this movie now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I had to look up what the Labrys was. Right, I did, too. Oh, my. Are you surprised I know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> It's a great tattoo. Beautiful labrys. Are you surprised I know what it is? Yeah, I didn't know what it was. I know, I, I appreciate that line because I feel like it's letting the audience know, like, okay, this is like a lesbian thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You know, like, for the straights who don't know, I mean, they make it clear this is some kind of symbol. Yes. <laughs> So a labrys is a double-headed ritual axe, one of the holiest Cretan religious symbols, but the root word labis traces to the Latin word labis, which means oh. lips. Mm-hmm. And I think you can yada 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 <laughs> that. Nice. Not that she <laughs> probably needed like a tell for right. <laughs> I don't think she's being too subtle. <laughs> We've been gushing about this movie for a while, but we could do hot props because that kind of is a good transition to one of my very few hot probs. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. Which okay. It, it took all day for that lady to do that tiny tattoo. <laughs> I have a tattoo. Would you like to see it? A woman in upstate New York did it for me. Do you like it? Took her all day to do it. She promised it wouldn't hurt, but it was sore for a long time after. Yes. What? It took all day. Yeah. Why? <laughs> that is such a small thing. Was it the first tattoo? All day. <laughs> right. That would have taken 10 minutes, maybe? Yeah. That, like, it's not even a bunch of colors, you know? It's no. Like that. <laughs> I think it's Has colors. anyone ever gotten a tattoo before on this set? Why did it take all day? <laughs> and maybe it took all day to put on the fake tattoo. Make it look real. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's one of them for me. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess a little hot prob is who called the police when there was gunfire. <laughs> I thought because it was quirky. Why would quirky call? To save violin. Because things were going bad. Oh, I never thought of that. I mean, I just, well, for two reasons. It was like, one, I kind of thought it was established. His neighbors know to look the other way when they right. hear stuff. And also, it does seem like there's nobody else in that building ever, other than... Yeah, we never <laughs> see anybody else. Right. But like, yeah, like, the owner of the building is an Italian name. Right. So it does seem like he's part of it. Yeah, it's like an apartment for a mafia, basically. Right. So that's why I thought it was quirky, because no oh. one else would call the cops, and then also they knew what apartment to buzz. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I never... But I don't think we see her pick up the phone. Yeah. Oh. I thought it was like an out for her because she knew that Violet could talk her way out of getting in trouble for whatever happened. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And she's good at talking her way out of it. (laughs) 
That was my family fancy. We need to like just stall them. Just like, how do I know you're really the boy? <laughs> Please open the door. Um, how do I know that you're really the police? It's so cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is her face when she says that too. <laughs> and they are super dumb. Right. So. <laughs> yes. My God. <laughs> Both of them. He's like, I'm just going to use your bathroom and not notice that there's three dead bodies in the bathtub while I'm oh in God. here. Yeah, that was a nerve-wracking part. I know. It seems, that, so that's kind of, I mean, the cops are very dumb, but I feel like a cop would open the medicine cabinet and snoop around in the bathroom just because, why not? <laughs> right. Most people would do that, let alone, like, someone who's supposed to be trained to be suspicious at all times right like they are very easily sold on the story like oh it was just the loud tv yeah before they even get to the apartment they hear the tv and they're like oh yeah they've mm-hmm. already made up their minds about what happened very lucky that he turned on a, a i know that there happened like to be something 10 with... seconds to pick something and it... right <laughs> yeah that is and, there's, and it was like the most exciting part of night of the living dead <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very quiet movie for the most part. That's a, a little bit of a contrivance there. But then that also brings me to my uh, my second hot prop, which was there's so much blood in that carpet. Oh, God. <laughs> which is... Is this a condo? Oh, yeah. But there's no way you wouldn't have left blood tracks all the way down the hall and then turned around and been like, wait a second. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that they make a point of showing him stepping it and get blood on his shoe like that. Yeah, that's a whole, like, and he's just going to walk off, everything. don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they could have just had him standing on the carpet and it not losing right. through. Right. trying to build tension, but I think it still would have been tense. Or if it oozed out from the edge of the carpet or something instead yeah. of... Directly onto a ship. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The hot prop for me was when Caesar came in with the bloody bag of $100 bills. I felt like the blood was just so... The color of the blood just... It wasn't right. not right. It was magenta-y tinted almost. I don't know. I thought it looked like straight ketchup. (laughs) It It didn't look like blood to me. Oh, I guess also the the shootout when he shoots all three of them. Like, he's pointing a gun at the big mob guy for a long time and nobody else, the other two mob guys, just let it go. Just, you know, yeah. like, that seemed like he would have just, one of the other two would have just shot him immediately or yeah, sooner, you know. Yeah, especially Johnny. It would have been, right. uh, yeah. you're pointing a gun at my dad and I already hate you, so right. nothing for me to just kill you right yeah. now. <laughs> My dad will forgive me. (laughs) Yeah, like, why would we not? I loved when he took all of the dollar bills and ironed them and and one by one strung them on the floor. I do really like that. It was unreal. (laughs) He hung it up. He what? To let it dry. It was unreal. Hundreds paper clipped everywhere like leaves. Such a filmic. You're gonna have to try to do your Jennifer Tilly. Right, everybody. (laughs) 
And then how Johnny's like, I want you to admit that it wasn't a lot of work. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's infuriating. <laughs> that is kind of perfect. That conversation is pretty well written. Oh, come on, I just want to know one thing. Just one thing after he made such a big deal about it. I bet it wasn't such a big deal, huh, Caesar? What's that, Johnny? The money. I bet it wasn't nothing to make it clean after you made such a big fucking deal about Johnny, it. Johnny, what'd I tell you? It's important to me, Pop. It's a simple question. If you just answer the simple question, that's the end of it. Where's this going, Johnny? Just admit it. Admit what? That you overreacted. You lost it. Not me. It was your mistake. You want to play it this way? I can play it this way. You want to know who made a mistake? Open the case. Everything Johnny says is accidentally incriminating. And <laughs> <laughs> I really like that scene a lot. My third hot prop was just the Violet's so smart and I know that things were going wrong and she was freaked out, but I really feel like she would have waited until Caesar left to pick up the phone that last time. Mm -hmm, right. She was, seemed pretty confident that she convinced him to go out and I know that she couldn't wait to talk to Corky and she was a little stressed out, but they wouldn't have had to change anything to just have like the sound of a door closing before oh, she yeah. picks up the phone. Right. I can see that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is hard that she makes a dumb mistake that you don't think that she would make. Yeah, because yeah. she definitely knew that if he saw her on the phone... She ha right, it. and she knows. She doesn't even try to come up with an excuse. She does not try to make anything up when he comes in and catches her on the phone. She knows she's just straight up caught. Yeah, I really think she would have waited for him to leave the apartment altogether. <laughs> right. It just bothers me because she's so smart otherwise. Right, because then later she, it's very smart when she she calls him and says, if you want to survive, you better pretend I'm Gino. Hello? Hello, Caesar. This is Gino. What? You're blowing your only chance, asshole. Act like I'm Gino. Holy Christ, we've been worried sick about you, Gino. Good boy. It's Gino. Where the hell is he? We were in a car accident. We were in a car accident. But everybody's all right. Everybody's all right, just bruises and shit. Unfucking believable. Yes, you know, exactly. That was very clever. I, I remember seeing that the first time. I'm like, that was really smart. I would never have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're blowing your one chance. <laughs> I'm surprised how much I remember, how many like beats I remember. Because it's been a long time since I saw mm -hmm. that movie. The line punctuations. Right. Yeah. I always remember being tickled by him going, oh, just bruises and shit. <laughs> He's so hammy in this movie. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. <laughs> oh Fucking dark in here. I know. Oh, my God. Fucking dark in here. And he delivers every line like that. <laughs> yeah. 18 fucking years. Right. You know, he did time himself. 13 fucking years. Oh, the other hot prob that I just thought of, he hits the redial button on the phone, and the phone through the wall starts ringing, and Corky's just, like, walking backwards away from the oh, phone, gosh, but I yeah. would have, like, ripped the wire out or yeah. something so it doesn't make she any does noise. She does do it eventually, but yeah, she does. Right, too too yeah, maybe she yeah. realized 
I don't know. She might have thought that as soon as it rang once, it was over. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that scene could have just used a couple tweaks, I think, of those two very smart women suddenly being so stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess they had to wrap it up somehow. (laughs) Right. Yeah, they had to get her over there. But I do like how they lay that out throughout the movie of like, these walls are so thin, you can hear everything. The walls here are so terribly thin. Really? It's like you're in the same room. I really enjoy that, how that's sort of a theme the whole movie, and it comes into play that way. It also comes into play where she can hear Violet with that guy Shelly and Caesar and all that, but then then it also comes into play that he can hear the phone ringing on the other side of the wall. Yeah, and that is kind of the first time that (laughs) they hear something from that apartment in the other other direction. Right, right. I do really love the, the parallels. That's such a neat story trick of just every time like when she's in the bathroom when he's putting <laughs> he's putting the bodies in the tub and she's in that bathroom and when she's <laughs> in the bathroom when that Shelly's getting his head yeah oh, in the God. toilet and it's just cool parallels the way they shoot that and mm-hmm. also good like dramatic moments for the actresses to just be able to look meaningfully at the walls <laughs> right <laughs> And I really like the wallpaper in the <laughs> yeah. apartment a lot. That is, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to live in that apartment. It's nice, <laughs> yeah. After somebody else cleans up all, all that the, all the paint, paint all yeah. The yeah. Next call. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Moby Dick, if you know what I mean. My favorite line was, Caesar, you don't know shit. Yeah. You don't want to shoot me, guy. Do you? Do you? I know you don't. Caesar, you don't know shit. such a great satisfying moment yeah. it's perfect I don't know, too he's... because he's been underestimating her for their entire relationship mm-hmm. basically i mean it's, yeah it's, it's so cathartic for her to, and, to say that to him yeah just how many times in movies where men convince the woman or, or even in real life like no you don't want that or you don't Oh, yeah, you're not going to shoot me. That's always... always I love it. You're not going to shoot me. You're not going to do that. And she's like, yeah, you don't don't know shit. (laughs) So that was awesome. That was so satisfying to see. That was definitely my favorite line. I also really like just the last lines. The last exchange. Yes. You know what the difference is between you and me. You know what the difference is between you and me, Violet? No. Me neither. Because they've had so many conversations up until that point of how, with Violet being like, we're not that different, mm-hmm. Corky insisting that they are. Right. So it's really nice to f- see Corky finally, like, trust her and see their commonalities and... Right, it's really yeah. charming. Yeah. She kind of a little bit, I feel like, lords it over her that, you know, she's being her authentic lesbian self, whereas... You know, Jennifer Tilly is living with a man. That's a really charming exchange at the end. <laughs> All my favorite lines are just because the way Jennifer Tilly says that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. My favorite is gunfire. Gunfire. Is this a joke? <laughs> we had a report of gunfire. See if you can buzz us in, please. Gunfire. Is this a joke? No joke, ma'am. 
<laughs> it would be so unusual for her to hear gunfire. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I like the the line Corky tells Violet not to apologize. The one thing I can't stand is women who apologize for having sex. I enjoyed the scene where she came over and brought the coffee to her. She's <laughs> like, I guessed you were. You straight black. black. Yeah. I bet your car is 20 years old. I guess you were straight black. Good guess. I'll bet your car is 20 years old. Truck. Truck. Of course. 63 Chevy. I knew it. And then they <laughs> go away in the truck in the end. Oh, I also love, and again, it's just how she says it, but when she comes over, she's like, oh, you must think I'm such a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I didn't know he would call you. You must think I'm a total nuisance. Not exactly. Nuisance. Nuisance. <laughs> 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 she had trouble pronouncing Glenn Lemon. <laughs> Which I didn't notice, but I, I after I have to go back and listen because she she was saying I just had the worst time saying Glenn Lemon. Oh, I love that <laughs> shot when they show her drop the bottle on purpose when she just reaches out and drops it. Yeah. The bottle will slip from your hands. An accident. Why? What the hell was that? I like that a lot. And we already said, but another favorite line for me is when he says, I'll have what she's having. And she says, I'm not drinking. Neither will I. <laughs> All the mob guys seem to be totally enamored with Violet. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> It makes sense. Yeah, and they totally. probably can't believe that she's with such a trip. <laughs> They're all just like, and they can see how he treats her, too. You shouldn't have to see this. Why don't you get out of here? Go for a walk. Caesar wants me to stay. Don't worry about Caesar. I'll handle Caesar. You just get out of here. Okay. okay. I like yeah. that, like they have her back in a way, mm -hmm. in a way, even though they're predators too. She knows that, that she can use that to her advantage when they're around. Yeah. yeah, they do seem pretty protective of her, and it's very helpful for her <laughs> in the end as well. Right. Never understand it, Mickey. You didn't even call the police. I told you, the family doesn't want the police around. We want to take care of it ourselves, and we will. I'll find them. I swear I will. I know you will. You sure you're gonna be okay? I mean, if you're having second thoughts, my office still stands. Thanks, Mickey, but I have to get out. You know, I have to get away from all this. But thanks. Thanks for everything. The conversation where Corky's all salty because she heard Violet with Shelly and she's saying you were having sex and she's like, it wasn't sex, it was work. That's what he's saying, they don't have sex with men. I don't. Oh, for Christ's sake, Violet, I heard you. Thin walls, remember? What you heard wasn't sex. What the fuck was it? Work. You made certain choices in your life that you paid for. You said you made them because you were good at something and it was easy. Do you think you're the only person that's good at something? That's a really oh, great yeah. conversation showing their perspectives. And even though Corky isn't sold in that moment, I feel like 
you know, it resonates with her and she thinks about it for a long time. And that's how she's able to come around in the end. She's good at that. And Corky has her own talents and they use that. Those are their tools. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it's a nice differentiation. The way she's having sex with them is not the way she has sex for real, you know? Right, yeah. It really is work for her. Yeah. And she is good at it. And it's afforded her this life. It has become a prison, but she gets out. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that Shelly inspires her, too, to leave, because she's like, he could have left. But he didn't, because mm-hmm. he was scared of changing the status quo, basically. And, and now he's dead, so right. i to take the chance. I kind of wonder if Violet would have... St- if, you know, if that was like a true love thing or would Violet just go on to the next person or I don't know. I just really want to know what happens. Would they be together forever or, you know? They seem pretty well matched. I yeah. don't know. I feel pretty good about that relationship. Yeah. It wasn't like the end of Say Anything or something. Oh, God. six months. I really feel like they had... Yeah. A lasting connection. Yeah. Those experiences, too, kind of brought them together. I would like to see a follow-up to that, though. That'd be great. Maybe they should make a sequel now. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> and plus, they could do so much with the de-aging technology. Like, <laughs> it must not be that expensive, because they use it all the time They now, do, yeah. Like, we have young Robert Downey Jr. forever. So they could totally make a movie where it showed the adventures the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, were they were they actually like CGI? Basically, they use footage from old movies, like in the Avengers movies. That's when they've been using it the most. Is like, oh, they I have like that. Robert Downey Jr. from that Brett Easton Ellis movie. Oh, Less Than Zero. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like Less Than Zero, Robert Downey Jr. in like full scenes in Avengers movies. I mean, it looks very real. That's amazing. So I think they could, especially now that the Wachowskis are a big deal, like, <laughs> they could afford it or they could convince somebody to put that in. That'd be really fun. They're in middle adventures and then showing them somewhere in there. <laughs> right. As the age they are now. Scamming more men along the way would be great. Right. <laughs> I'd definitely watch that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Did you notice when Johnny dies, he gets shot and he's about to fall and he did it totally feel like he was about to say corn nuts. It was such a like he does say, don't He shoot, says don't right? shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was totally like that time. pause and then <laughs> <laughs> influence on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Probably unconsciously. <laughs> it's just in the zeitgeist. <laughs> I do really like that as a scene of Caesar's brutality of him just like yelling in Johnny's face when he's dead. <laughs> Who's the dead guy now? I'm a dead man, Johnny. I'm a fucking dead man. Guess again, Johnny. Who's the dead man? Who? Who's dead, fuckface? Who? Who? I can't hear you, Johnny. Guess again. Take another guess, Johnny. Take another fucking guess. It's kind of funny. It is pretty funny. <laughs> as fucked up as it is. Yeah. It's all bloody, but yeah. <laughs> He's so over the top, but in a believable way almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what else does a suicide need, huh? Excuse me. Well, I just have to talk about that one shot that I love so much when it follows the phone cord from one phone to the other oh, yeah. and the camera makes the little loop because there's a <laughs> knot in the cord. <laughs> that is really cute. That is, yeah. <laughs> but we could do our lunchtime poll. Yeah, I think it's lunchtime poll time. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. Our lunchtime poll today is under what false pretense could Jennifer Tilly 
seduce you over to her apartment. <laughs> Basically, what's your talent that you can help her with? <laughs> Who wants to start? <laughs> I would not be able to get the earring out of the drink. I think if it was, I bought something from Ikea and I can't put it together, Ooh, can you help? That's a good one. I would be, I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, Do that you would, enjoy putting together stuff? Not especially. I don't, it's like neutral for me. Unless like, you know, sometimes it ends up being some big pain or something like won't go in and you have to be like pounding on it but I will put something together I can Mm -hmm. that would definitely be something I could come help you with if you were if Jennifer Tilly was next door and (laughs) didn't want to be a nuisance (laughs) I just can't put this furniture together (laughs) shit I didn't know he'd call you (laughs) I love that she acts like she didn't know he would call her Uh, that whole scene is so great, too. Like, I mean, for the obvious reasons, but I love that Corky has her made from minute one. Like, right. She knows that it's all a setup, but she's still going along with it. Cause she, right. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, if she really doesn't believe that she's gay. Oh, yeah. But I guess she's like, well, we'll see where this goes. Right. Curious, maybe. Curious, maybe. <laughs> How about you? Well... One thing I have done, I have replaced the drain assembly on my bathroom sink, and I was really proud of that. Wow. So I could do that. I did a pretty good job, I think. I could, I could help her with that. Mine's really boring now, I think. Just <laughs> but I, I was trying to think of like you know, my, my, my mechanic, because I'm really good at baking and stuff like that, but... That's not usually. Kind of <laughs> I need some help with this. I need some help baking. I'm really good at wrapping up cables. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I learned how to wrap cables in film school, and I use it all the time. And I'm always rewrapping cables that my husband has thrown into a drawer, like take them out and wrap them up, wrapping up Christmas lights. Oh yeah, so oh, that would be. I'm good. really yeah. good at dealing with cables. That would be a good yeah. one. This would be so aggravating when they get tangled up and knotted. You know, there's so many of them, and you don't know where they lead to. Yeah, <laughs> right. I can see that. Yeah, that's a good one. I that like is that. a good one. Oh, good. See if it'll work. (laughs) Yeah. We're all in these clusters of desks and all our computer wires. There's a long power strip that's like three feet long and there's so many cords in it. It's really annoying trying to figure (laughs) out where... I need to unplug my computer. Where is the plug? Where's it going? Yeah. (laughs) Which outlet is it? What you want to do is you want to take some masking tape and wrap it around the part of the cable that's plugged in. Oh, that's a good idea. Say what it is. That's what it looks like behind all of our TV setup. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's a hot tip. I should do that. Yeah. (laughs) That's like one of the most valuable things I learned in film school is just how to deal with cables. (laughs) A lot of shit to plug in. Oh, nice. (laughs) Oh, very. I read in the article, I'm like referring to the Entertainment Weekly article I read, but it was such a good insight into the movie. Gina Gershon's mom was like, you were such a good actress because I totally believe that plumbing scene. (laughs) (laughs) I guess she went into that and she's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to look really cool when I'm doing it. Her mom was like really impressed with her acting with the plumbing skills. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And that was really, really cool. That is some good insight. Yeah. Like, I know you don't know how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great scene of foreplay where it's like the water is dripping down the brink. And her, she's like just standing directly behind her. Yeah. Yeah. Those femme fatale legs. Yeah. 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 Oh my God.
really good good scene. <laughs> Joey Pants says that he improvised that handshake when he walks in. When he walks oh. in, he's like, it's fucking dark in here. She uses the hand that she was oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> And he apparently improvised that handshake. Oh. <laughs> I know, it's great, because you could see Gina Gershon kind of smiling a little bit, too, when she pulls out her hand. Right. <laughs> nice. I really like that. It's a nice little bit of actor magic that they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that made it in. And it's just such a nice power play. It's really cool. <laughs> Another thing I, I read, one of the love scenes, the ratings advisory board, they gave them a really hard time about it. It was where she puts her finger and her mouth and you know Mm -hmm. that scene there's like nothing they're not showing any nudity nothing it's just like a hand it's just boobs yeah yeah (laughs) and then um boobs and toes the Wachowskis are like it was just straight up homophobia they didn't want that scene in it and they're like so you are saying the girls did such great acting that you actually believe they're having sex and they kind of admitted that was the reason they didn't want it in but then the bed scene they were totally okay with Mm -hmm. somehow the studio heads didn't want females having sex with each other on film and it's just homophobic yeah without a man present right they they also got offered way more money to do the movie if quirky was a man instead but they didn't do that so yeah Yeah, obviously that movie's been done yeah exactly so they had a limited budget because of that they refused to change quirky's gender I think so. Well, it's just they could have gotten a lot more money okay. if Quirky had been a man. I think you can tell that the budget was not very high, especially for the budget right. that Wachowskis were given for later movies. But I like the way that they worked around it. There limited sets. There's just basically those two apartments. Really? It, yeah. And then the parking lot and then the bar. Practically the whole thing takes place in those apartments. Yeah. yeah. Um, they really did well with a small amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked really good. Yeah. Looked, everything was so filmic and just really sharp looking. Yeah, it was very slick. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was a pioneering film for that era, too. Movies did not look like that (laughs) before then. Now there's been a million movies that look like that. I feel like Guy Ritchie basically (laughs) (laughs) stole from that. He's like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. That's that's going to be my style. Yeah, (laughs) I totally did. Yeah, turned out a lot of them. I do have one other fact, which was (laughs) when they originally financed the film, Jennifer Tilly was set to play Corky. Oh, wow. Which is just impossible. I know. Right. She just done Bullets Over Broadway, where she was kind of a similar character. And she was interested in doing something different. But then when she met Gina Gershon, she was like, oh, yeah, this makes much more sense. Right. So they switched roles. It's, it's, I it's, cannot imagine her as Frankie Ray. I looked up what her character's name in Bullets Over Broadway because I was like, was her name Violet in that too? But it wasn't. It was Olive. Oh, oh nice. Yes. <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. That's why I love her going back to Cheers. She was on an episode of Cheers and Dash <laughs> loved her. Like oh, really? It was like almost borderline as this like sexual awakening for Dash because she oh, was so maybe. funny on that episode. <laughs> and he was like referencing it a lot for a while. She was like an old girlfriend of Sam's and he set her up with Frasier. Oh, it was like Frasier was all down in the dumps and yeah. he's like, oh, I know this. Good time girl. You know, this girl who's never met a man she didn't like a lot. And 
she goes out with Frasier and Frasier immediately falls in love with her. It's so funny. She's so funny in that episode. We watched it like four times because she was just so funny. <laughs> You've done your charity work for the evening. Charity work? You really are a sad case. How a guy with such a great forehead could get so messed up. Um, wait, uh, the least I can do is give you a ride home. I'm going in your direction. Which direction? Out. Oh. Thank you, Frazier. You're sweet. Say, you know, I, I just realized I'm feeling kind of hungry. Would you like to get some food? Oh, food, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they, they run off together and then they decide to elope. And Dash's favorite part was they're going to get married in the bar. And Carla says, Frasier isn't my cup of tea, but I feel like you're doing a smart thing because he'll probably always be faithful. And if not, who cares? <laughs> and she's like, that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> it was really fun for a few weeks. Really? Oh, well, <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it was fun for about a couple weeks. Dash constantly imitating her. <laughs> That's kind of beautiful. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. What happens though? Because they don't stay married. They don't actually they don't. get married. Sam and Diane both try to talk them out of it. They're all talking and they're having this very heated argument. And then her name in the show is Candy. And Candy says, so she's like, now here's what I think. Here's what I think. Candy, please, you are not put on this earth to think. Diane, you are without a doubt. Oh, my God. What have I done? What have I said? You said no, I wasn't No, 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 I know what I said. And so he kind of realizes that they're not a good match, yes. you know. <laughs> Nothing really happens, and he feels really bad about it, but they're like, maybe you guys want to get to know each other a little more before you right. get married. The other thing that Dash thought was very funny, she isn't even mad. She's like, I didn't understand anything anybody was saying except for Sam. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's apologizing. He's like, I'll never raise my voice to you again. And she's like, that's too bad because it was kind of (laughs) sexy. That's too bad. I thought you were kind of sexy when you were mad. And Dash like referenced that a lot too. He's like, that was kind of sexy. He might be on to something. Yeah, I think something really hit a spark with him. It's worth like looking up that episode and watching it because it's very funny. I definitely will. I want to see Cheers again. She has such an awesome voice. There's so many great cartoon shows now. I wonder like. She probably has done some voice stuff. She's like a regular character on Family Guy. Family Guy's still happening. She's a regular character. Oh, okay. Have you seen the Chucky movies that she's in? Oh, right. Yeah, no, I never watched that. I forgot she was in that. So awesome in the Chucky movies. So hilarious. And she plays herself. And her spirit gets put into this doll that looks like her. Her doll and Chucky's doll get married and they have a kid. And that's the seed of Chucky. (laughs) Just the bride of Chucky and seed of Chucky. She's so great. They're they're really funny movies. Joe Dante basically realized these movies are way better if they're just as campy as possible. So he started making really campy versions of the Chucky movies. Oh, wow. But even so, even though it's so funny, I heard her talking about Brad Dourif. Do you know Brad Dourif? Mm-hmm. <laughs> veteran yeah, character actor Brad Dourif. He's the voice of Chucky. Oh. And an amazing actor. He's really a serious 
voice actor too. And she said, <laughs> she, she said that he was so method, even oh God, as Chucky. Even as, oh my God. But like in a funny, in a oh, fun okay. way, like yeah. they had a really good time. But like she said they had so much fun just like talking about their characters and their motivation and backstory and everything. <laughs> and she was like, no one on earth would have put nearly this much thought into Aww. playing a killer doll. She really appreciated that. She said that was one of her best experiences working was with Brad Dourif. Wow. Yeah. That's a great story. Did you ever see One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Uh, A really long time ago. I don't remember Because he's the the guy that stutters or whatever. And he's also been in a bazillion things. He's been in, Lord of the Rings. He's someone if you look on IMDb, it's going to be like 200 credits. Have she and Meg Tilly ever been in a movie together? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Big Chill, Meg Tilly. I know, oh, you're bad. They're sisters. From, yeah. I don't know Meg Tilly other than that they're sisters. I'm not very familiar with her catalog. She's Big Chill and Agnes of God, but I don't remember what else she's done. I want to apologize to our listeners if they hear a bunch of hammering through. <laughs> <laughs> our neighbors are getting their roof redone. And oh, yes. Every once in a while, I'm just like, oh, God damn it, the hammering. So nice. if you hear hammering, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call the police on it. <laughs> is this a joke? <laughs> Hammering. Is this a joke? <laughs> you gotta do one. You gotta try one. <laughs> I, I love the way she said Caesar. It's so hard to replicate. You do such a good job. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Amy, say Caesar for it. Caesar. <laughs> oh, that's great. I feel like that's a good way to wrap it up. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, we defuse Jay Roach's 2019 drama Bombshell, starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Thanks, guys. Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.